0: Welcome to the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jace Howard, and you are listening to Episode 2 of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. Last episode, we talked about the NBA trade deadlines. We talked about college basketball, and we talked about the Super Bowl. My Super Bowl guess was wrong, and... Kentucky's going to have some ups and downs to go through. And the the trades in the NBA have they've they've panned out a little bit different. So, be ready to hear about all that in today's episode as we have three segments for you. Segment 1 is going to be a recap of the Super Bowl. We're going to keep this short. We're going to keep this sweet. I'm sure most of you all watched it, but I feel the need to recap, go back, talk about it a little bit. Second segment is going to be the immediate effects of the NBA trade deadline deals. Mainly the Kyrie Irving trade. Have They've won games, but will it come at a cost? And then finally, Last but not least, probably our longest segment of the day, college basketball, specifically the Kentucky Wildcats. Are they in? Are they out? Are we playing the NIT at Memorial Coliseum? Will it be the greatest NIT showdown of all time? North Carolina, Ohio State, Duke, Kentucky? Duke, Kentucky, Cameron Indoor for the championship of the NIT? I don't know, but listen more to find out on the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. Welcome to segment one of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast episode number two. This is the Super Bowl recap. In case you didn't watch it, I'm sure most of you did, Kansas City won 38 to 35. I predicted that Philadelphia would win 34 to 27. The guess wasn't terrible, wasn't great, got the team wrong, got the scores pretty close actually. So now we're gonna just sit here and we're gonna compare numbers. So Mahomes goes for 21 for 27 with 182 passing yards and a 6.7-yard average, three TDs, zero INTs, and zero sacks. That's, that's huge for the Kansas City Chiefs. They, if they don't have that game out of Patrick Mahomes, they don't win this Super Bowl. And the fact that that two weeks is the break is the difference in him maybe making some of the throws in the game that he, he couldn't make on that hurt ankle. That's that's what I look at it as. The difference is that two week recovery time really helped the Chiefs. The leader in rush yards was Pacheco; he had seventy six, and next was Patrick Mahomes. I I thought that the Chiefs would run the ball more as a team. They only had one hundred fifty eight rushing yards, but we will get to why they didn't run the ball more later. Travis Kelsey. Huge game, six receptions, 81 yards, and one touchdown. Followed by Juju Smith-Schuster with nine targets, seven receptions. Kelsey caught all his. He was six for six, six targets, six catches. And they have 182 passing yards total. So, I, I would have guessed... Kansas City had more rushing yards. And I know that sounds contrary because of Patrick Mahomes. But you gotta understand this Eagles' secondary was very good. And they still are. They were very good heading into the Super Bowl. However, the middle of the field was a wink length. If you watch it wink length. Oh, weak, link. If you watch the game, you could tell that. Kansas City really knew where to attack because they attacked the middle so hard. And you know, I don't I don't know. The Eagles, that's something that they have to fix. Because if you've elite tight end or elite receiver, somebody you can get through the middle. You can't be getting burned on that because their corners did a great job of covering up those Chiefs receivers. They just let Kelsey in the middle, and that led to big plays and ultimately led to Kansas City winning the game. Philadelphia actually dominated the possession time with 11 more minutes than Kansas City. That's that's massive. If you would have told me... Philadelphia had 11 more minutes of possession time and lost, I would have said you were crazy. Because that's that's a lot more possession time. I mean, and Philadelphia, with one of the best offenses in the league, should be able to create when they have that much possession time. However, and they got more first downs, too. However... It, it really came down to the fact that Kansas City at the end of the game the Eagles numbers wise were just better than the Chiefs in the game i mean really they were 11 for 18 on first down conversions sure they missed six and the chiefs only did miss four but the chiefs only had eight third down conversions they had 117 more t- or no, sorry. They had seventy-seven more total, more yards total than the Chiefs. They had way more passing yards. I think the number to be exact is a hundred and sixteen more passing yards. They did not have more rushing yards, which I expected, and. Red zone efficiency, though, they were 3 for, out of 5. Kansas City was 4 out of 5. And you get the holding call late in the game. We've seen two calls that were against the team Kansas City was playing in big spots in the game that ended up winning them the game. And I'm not disagreeing with the rest in either of those two scenarios. Bengals, that was 100% of late hit. There was no need. He There was no need for that. It ultimately ended up winning... The Chiefs, the game. This time, the holding call. There's no need for that either. But it's a holding call. It's going to get called most every single time. There's just no need for it. And the Chiefs are smart. They run down the clock. And they win. It's as simple as that. Why? I mean, people make mistakes all the time. I think the Bengals were more to blame for their mistake. The Eagles, sure, you can't do that. But also, it's one of those where it's like, you know, if maybe he was going to get burned on a route and give up the first down anyways. You know, so you don't know what's going through that guy's head. He probably feels terrible about it. And it's a holding call and it's going to get called. It really comes down to that. If we look at the Eagles numbers, Hertz was 27 out of 38. Probably could have been better, but still pretty good. One touchdown to zero INTs with an average yard per play. No, per reception of eight yards he, per pass. He, they got eight yards every time he made a completion. Um, He was the highest rusher with 15 attempts for 70 yards and a 4.7 rush yard average, three touchdowns. That's that's what you want to see. If you're the Eagles, take advantage of the fact that he can use his legs. On the receiving end, Devontae Smith with seven nine targets, seven receptions for 100 yards and AJ Brown with eight targets, six receptions, 96 yards. AJ Brown with a touchdown. That's that's really all you could ask for the Eagles receivers. The Eagles played good, like I said. It's just little mistakes that came down and and lost on the game, lost them, lost them the game. So that that's gonna do segment one for the second episode of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jace Howard, once again. Eagles make silly late-game mistakes and that cost it on the game. See you in Segment 2. Welcome to Segment 2, Episode 2 of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. This segment is going to be all about the immediate effects of the NBA trade deadline deals. Mostly, the Kyrie Irving trade, because that's really the most consistent numbers, you could say, because LeBron's been out, KD's obviously not playing. So, these are the most consistent numbers of the biggest trade that happened. So, let's let's dive right in. So, first off, Let's recap what we talked about about this trade last episode. We talked about how this was a great trade for the Mavericks. There it had its co- pros and cons. It had it had everything of a big baller trade, which we identified Mark Cuban as he is a big baller type of guy. So we said you know, some pros, obviously, scoring. Just the ability to set one of those two guys out, Luca or Kyrie, and be able to rely on the other one. We said, you know, Luca gets some of the burden taken off of him. And Kyrie just adds another element to that offense of another guy who can just get the ball, go score, Do something when you need it to. This doesn't have to rely on Luka. It doesn't anymore. It really doesn't. So, we also talked about the cons. And unfortunately, there are probably more cons than you would like to think. Kyrie's off-court issues are always a problem. He's great, one of the best players in basketball, if you can get him on the court. Off-court issues have always been a problem with him. And he's made some questionable decisions. He the lock he makes the locker rooms of his teams maybe not the greatest environment you want to be around. He he's not very loyal and it, that's what scares me. And defensively he's not very good. We'll get in more about that. Get into that more. Later in the segment, it's it's weird because Kyrie is such a good player that if he could ever just get his attitude off the court and his media stuff off the court in check, he wouldn't be a risky player. He'd be a guy everyone wanted. Loyalty is a problem that that's going to be a problem with really any star, honestly. And so, I, I don't know what more there is to say about Kyrie besides that he's great player, struggles off-court issues. Right now as I'm filming this, Tiger finished at negative two in his round, his first round at the... Vintage Woods, or no, sorry, the Genesis Invitational. He finished under two in round one at the Genesis Invitational. So maybe, maybe Tiger's back. Hopefully, hopefully for the sport of golf, that'd be great. Not going to talk about that. But, yeah, Kyrie, he's, like I said, defensively, He's not good defensively in his off-court issues, but offensively and creating for his teammates, he's just so good. So, let's look at these immediate impacts, I should say, of having Kyrie Irving on this team, right? So, the Mavericks. Scoring really hasn't changed that much. The three games before they got Kyrie, or before his debut, he scored They scored 111 points, where they beat the Pelicans. They scored 113 points, where they beat the Warriors, and they scored 124 points, where they beat the Jazz. So his debut game is Wednesday, the 8th of February, and they're playing at the Clippers. Luka did not play in this game, and Kyrie did, and this is what I'm saying. This is why... Kyrie is such a valuable asset because Kyrie went out. He gave them 24 points, and they ended up winning the game by six, 110 to 104. That that's good. That's what you want to see if you're the Mavericks because you want to see that this team can still keep it together defensively. And they really they played good in this game. Reggie Bullock had 18. Hardaway had 19. Powell had 10. Um, Jeff Green. With 14 points. And Kyrie had 24 on 5 assists. So that's good. That's what you really want to see for Kyrie. Because not only is he scoring. But he's creating for his teammates. And Luke is not in. So once Luke is in. He can create even more. So let's go on to the next game. The Kings. It was 122-114. to Once again. Luka Doncic did not play in this game, and they ended up winning. Off of a 25-point performance from Kyrie, Reggie Bullock had 13, Tim Hardaway had 15, Dwight Powell had 9, and Jeff Green had 17. So the role players are contributing. Kyrie's doing his thing. He gets three assists yet again. So not great. You'd like to see him get more assists, share the ball, but when Luka's on the court, Obviously, he's going to share the ball more. Right now, though, maybe he feels that that load needs to be brought on him. And so, he doesn't feel like he needs to pass as much. I don't know. What other reason being, he probably could share the ball more. However, he didn't. So, next game, this is the real scary game. The game where, well, what could this team end up being? So, in this game, Luka Doncic comes back. And you're like, oh, well, they should have won this game. They're playing the Kings again. They beat them last time. Tim Hardaway had six points. Dwight Powell had seven points. Jalen Green had, tw- or Jeff Green, sorry, had 23 points. Luka Doncic had 27 points. And Kyrie Irving had 28. That looks like a team who's going to win. They hit up 128 points. Here's the scary part. They allowed 133 points to the Sacramento Kings. Here's the Sacramento Kings starting lineup. I like the Kings. I've liked the Kings for a while because of De'Aaron Fox. Harrison Barnes, 13 points. Keegan Murray, 5 points. Sabonis, 22 points. Kevin Herter, 15 points. And De'Aaron Fox, 36 points. Trey Lyles and Terrence Davis. Had 14 points and 22 points. Now, this is where the Mavericks might struggle. Go listen to The Mismatch. It is a great podcast. I listen to it sometimes too. And they they talked about this, so I felt the need to bring it up too because I thought it was a great point. The Mavericks will struggle defensively. And christian wood Christian wood two minutes have slipped hard. Christian wood played seventeen minutes in this game compared to before the Kyrie Irving trade let's just say the Pelicans game for example he played. Mm-hmm. Did he play? He did not play in this game. No, he did not play in this game. So, we'll check the Warriors game. See if he played in this one. And it looks like he did not play in this one either. So, the Jazz game finally. The last game before the Kyrie Irving trade. Let's hope he played in this one. And he did. He played 18 minutes, so I know it's not that drastic, but you got to hear me out. The rest, the, the first half of the season, Christian Wood played 30 minutes. I mean, he was a vital piece of this team. He was the second-leading scorer. They had to have him. And then he dropped the 17, 18 minutes. All of a sudden, like, what, what's going on? And it's defense. It really is. This Mavericks team struggles to guard. Maryland just beat number three Purdue. Okay, that's big for our third segment, college basketball. Well, we will talk about that. That, That's big. But anyways, back back to our NBA trades. Christian Wood dropped his minutes because of defense. And that's maybe some of his fault, maybe not all of his fault. Because... What you're saying is Christian Wood if he's better defensively does he get to play more? Probably. But then again, Kyrie and Luca pair it's not a great defensive duo. It really isn't. And as much as the Mavs fans want to believe that they're going to be something and I think they could. I think they could. They just got to find some more 3 and D guys. Maybe bring in... you. Doran Finney-Smith was so important to this team. And yes, they had to ship him away to get Kyrie. But he was so important. He was a great defender. He could shoot. He was somebody they needed. And on this particular team, he he would have been so very valuable. And it hurts to see him go because They could be something special. But you're not going to win playoff basketball games giving up 133 points, especially the Kings. No hit on, no slide on the Kings, no diss on the Kings, but they're not really that great offensively. Then we move on to the next game, the Timberwolves, where they lose and give up 124 points to the Minnesota Timberwolves. You want to know who the Minnesota Timberwolves starting lineup is? Torian Prince, Jaden McDaniels, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards, and Mike Conley. Ken. Ken Carl Anthony Towns did not even play this game. And they gave up 124 points. How are they gonna win? They let Jaden McDaniels score 19 points on them. And then Kyrie and Luka combined it for 69 points. But no one else, Christian Wood had 24 points. No one else did anything. Not that they really needed to. I mean, that was a lot. But they gave up just that many points and they can put the points up. They just got to be able to defend. And I think they'll figure it out. I think Jason Kidd is a great will be is a great coach, but right now that's where we're at. If the Mavericks can't defend, they won't win an NBA championship. It's as simple as that. If the Mavericks can't defend, they won't win an NBA championship. This has been segment two of episode two of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast and the immediate effects of the trade deadline. See you in segment three. Welcome to the third and final segment of the second episode of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. In this third segment, we're going to be talking about college basketball, specifically the Kentucky Wildcats. So, on my last show, I mentioned Kentucky. I talked about them. I said, Kentucky has to have this game at Georgia. (sighs) Boy... If you watched it, we know how that ended up. That's, I don't even want to talk about it. It's over, man. It's over. I don't even want to talk about it. Because I said that Kentucky, in their final one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in their final seven games, needed to win at least five. They dropped that one to Georgia. Right now, they... Can only lose one more game, they have to go five and one. It I think to even make the tournament. That's what I think. And who knows? Maybe they can make the tournament and only and go and lose two of the games. And then they end up going four and three in those last seven. And it hurt, it sucks. Because, you know, we really thought we could have been something better. Maybe playing for even a seed, a good seed. Not a good seed, not a good seed, but a better seed than the last four in. But right now we are fighting, brutally fighting to get in. So we lost to Georgia in what was a crap show of a game. Kentucky is down by four at the end of the first half. Not at the end, but with like three minutes to go in the first half, and Georgia made it 10. So Kentucky's down by 10 at the end of the first half. And as Kentucky fans, we want to be like, well, we can come back, but we're all sitting, sitting, watching this game and being like, well, this is over. And that's not how we should feel as Kentucky fans. We should feel like we can come back from a 31-point deficit because we have one of the best teams and one of the best coaches In all of college basketball. That's how we should feel. And right now, we're not feeling that. And this this hurts, man. It hurts because this is not how Kentucky, being a Kentucky basketball fan should feel. If you're a Kentucky basketball fan, you should feel like you're supporting one of the best teams in college basketball at all times. And whether that's true every year, maybe they're not the one seed every year. Maybe they're not even the two seed, three seed, or four seed. They should always make the tournament. I'm sorry. You you should always make the tournament. I I know COVID and whatever. Everyone knows there was a COVID year. But these last three years for Cal have just been brutally terrible. I mean I don't want to say last year was terrible because in the regular season we were we were back to old Kentucky status. We beat Kansas by 20 at their own place. We were back to old Kentucky status. And then we we came upon the greatest 15 seed ever. The greatest player on a 15 seed ever. Doug Eddardson. Man, that that dude he he just he he deserves an applause. Old Doug. He was too fun to watch, man. Doug Edison was so fun to watch. If you weren't the team playing him. Yeah. Um but we we can talk about we can dwell on that loss all we want to. We were one of the three unlucky, not 3. Yeah, Yes, we were one of the three unlucky teams who had to play the St. Peter's Peacocks. And we lost. We lost. We shouldn't have lost that game, but we did. And it sucks, but it's over. We're on to this season. Kentucky did Wednesday night, Wednesday the 15th, Pick up a much-needed win, a three-point win over Mississippi State, where it needed to be better. It was. They were up by twelve. They were up by twelve, and then it was. Then it was like, uh, Kentucky is. Up by. Um, let's see. They got up by they got up by oh, this was the first half. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm scroll all the way down. So the second half, Kentucky got up. With their largest lead of the game being 56-43 with 8 minutes and 34 seconds to go. That's a 13-point deficit. Then Mississippi State made a free throw. They made two free throws. Then they made one free throw. They made one free throw. They made three free throws. Mississippi State... From that point, right there, went on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, an eight point run to cut it to four. In four minutes, Kentucky did not score in four minutes. And better yet, they gave up eight points. You're up by 13, guys. With eight minutes, close this game out. Now, this team in Mississippi State is desperate, but you have to close games out. They actually started this one quite well, but then they didn't close it out. So then they cut it back to four, or they cut it back to five. Then Mississippi State cut it to four. They cut it back to four. Kentucky cut it to six with a minute 46 left. And Mississippi State... Cut it back to three. Cut it back to three. With eight seconds left, Chris Livingston made two free throws. And that was the game. They did say, though, when we needed to make free throws, that Antonio Reese was inbounding the ball. And I'm sorry, but what are we doing? Our best free throw shooter is inbounding the ball. When we need to hit free throws, that doesn't make any logical sense. Literally, any logical sense. I mean, you ask any other coach, hey, who do you want to shoot free throws? I guarantee you they'd say they want Antonio Reeves at the line, and he's he's inbounding the ball. I don't get Cal's decisions. Maybe he has some plan. I don't even – I don't get his decisions. And it's hurting Kentucky the Kentucky basketball program. And I've heard them talk about this on KSR all the time. Something's just off with this team. And until this season's over, we're not going to know. But something internally is just not right with this team. And I can't figure it out. They can't figure it out. Nobody can really figure it out. Something, you can just tell that there's a presence in, that's not right with this team. And, yes, it, it hurt having C.J. Frederick and Severe Wheeler out. Because, as I said in the last show, Kentucky relies heavily on C.J. Frederick. Because he is such a... Such a... He's, he can score and he can defend. He's become such a better defender in these... This past... Really, season. Honestly, he was not as he was a way better defender than any of us expected him to be, and not as good shooter. I'm sorry. He he's a good shooter. You can tell when he releases the ball that it it looks so good. It looks so pure. It's just not going in for him. And Severe Wheeler, while everyone in the fan base was down on that kid, he has he has really helped. When we needed him. He really has. And he hurts not to have out. So right now I'm on Joe Lenardi's bracketology here. And he has projected that the top overall seed is Alabama. This was updated before Alabama took the loss to Tennessee. The first team out, the Oregon Ducks. And the last team in, the Clemson Tigers. Where does Kentucky fall on this? They fall on the first four out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Not not even going to get in the tournament. That's where they fall. First four out. And it sucks because they just really needed... Kentucky fans can't deal with this, man. We can't put up with another year of this. And Kentucky falls on the first four out. This, mind you, this was before we beat Mississippi State. So we beat Mississippi State, who was one of the last four in. So maybe we take that spot. Who knows? But this was before we beat Mississippi State, right? For even a chance to play. In the tournament. We would probably have to win a game. Even to play in the tournament. Like. like, What are we doing? And. Even if we did. So so let's say. We take the spot of Mississippi State right now. Right. We're Mississippi State in this. In this prediction. So if we won that game. We played St. Mary's. Okay? St. Mary's. No offense, but it's St. Mary's. We can beat St. Mary's. We can beat St. Mary's. If we won that game, we would play Kansas State, who is good. They smash Kansas, and they do scare me because they are pretty long. Keontae Johnson, he, he's good. He's really good. And Kansas' bigs are long, which we have seen Oscar struggle with this season. Michigan State would be the 7th seed, UCLA, Houston as our one. Houston is one of the ones who, I'm going to be honest, I think would give us maybe, besides Kansas, probably the least amount of problems because Alabama's just going to, their length kills us. Purdue's length would absolutely destroy us and Zach Eady. So Houston or Kansas, if we got to play a one seed, I'm taking them. Kansas State, I think, is definitely a winnable game if we do get into the tournament and end up winning and all these projections. Of course, this is all big what if. But right now, that's a winnable game. And so I think... If Kentucky does get into this situation, this is the situation you want to be in if you're Kentucky. Because UCLA would be your two seed, and we've shown we could definitely beat them. Now, I know we didn't beat them prior, but that, that was just... I don't even want to talk about that part of the season because we couldn't even figure out how to beat... We couldn't even figure out... How to be. We couldn't even figure out how to beat – I don't – we couldn't even figure out how to beat – I don't even know. Like, we literally couldn't even figure out how to beat Michigan State. It took us double overtime to beat Michigan State, who really, realistically, should be on our level. So I don't even want to talk about that part of the season. Moving on, though, Kentucky could definitely – make it into the tournament. I will be at the Tennessee game on Saturday, the Saturday the 18th. I will be at that game, so I should be able to um really get a better feel of what's going on with this team, maybe maybe get a better look. So, I'll, we'll have more on that this next week when we come back to record this, but I do wanna I do want mention about the SEC tournament schedule just real quick. So right now, here's what the SEC standings are. Right now, after the win last night, Kentucky's currently fifth in the SEC. That would mean they would play Thursday. At a 3 p.m. against the winner of game one, which is the number 12 seed and the number 13 seed. So the winner of, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So they would play the winner of Ole Miss, South Carolina. We've lost South Carolina, but we're not going to do it again. So assuming we win that game, we move on to the We would move on to the number 4 seed who is Auburn. We have not played Auburn yet, but I think that that's definitely a winnable game and we have to win that game. Cuz if you really if you look at our schedule here, we have Tennessee at Florida at Auburn at Vandy. You have to win Florida and Vandy. Have to. Because, one, Florida's without Castleton now, which who gave us problems. So they're without a guy who gave us problems. And Vandy, you just have to beat. I don't know their Vandy. So you have Tennessee at home, Auburn at home, and Arkansas on the road. You're probably going to lose Arkansas on the road because we couldn't even beat them at home. And you're probably, hopefully you can beat Tennessee, but that's probably a loss. So you go three out of two. I think you're still in the tournament. However, if you snag Tennessee on Saturday, I think you're definitely in the tournament as long as you don't lose to one of Florida or Vandy. If you beat Tennessee at home, I think you're in the tournament. So, back to our back to our um, SEC tournament talk. If they did end up winning that first game, they would play the winner, they would play the number four seed, which is Auburn, like I said. If they won that game, they would play the winner of game seven, who would probably be Tennessee, or who would probably be Alabama, because they should get the top spot. Yeah. They're 12 and 1, they should not lose. Texas A&M is surprisingly second. See, if we beat Tennessee, they drop to 9 and 5. We would be 9 and 5, and if Auburn won, they'd be 9 and 5. If we beat Auburn, we would therefore be the four seed and would get the bye to Friday. So we can look at getting a double bye here. That's big if we want to win the SEC tournament, because if we really suck and we have to depend on winning the SEC tournament, that double bye would be crucial. That's going to do it for the show today. Kentucky needs to beat Tennessee. I think that if you win that game, you're in the tournament. Kyrie and the Mavs could struggle on defense. And the Super Bowl came down to the Eagles making bad decisions late in the game this has been the buzzer beater sports podcast i'm your j Jay- i'm your host jace howard peace